if you are located outside of the European Union, the United Kingdom and or Switzerland, then you need an authorized representative. So I have a good news, you have found it with Easy Medical Device. And if you are also in need of an importer in Europe and in Switzerland, then contact us definitely at info at easymedicaldevice.com. I-N-F-O at easymedicaldevice.com and I'm sure we can help you. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy Podcast. I am Munir Alazuzi, a medical device expert specialized on quality and regulatory affairs. My mission is to help you learn how to place a compliant medical device on the market. For that, I share with you my experience and the one of others on this podcast. Are you ready for your dose of regulation and standards today? Okay, so let the show begin. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. Here is Munir Alazuzi from easymedicaldevice.com. And today we'll try to help you to invest more in your regulatory affairs department. And for that, I have with me uh, James Janutsos from RIMSYS. So James, welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Great. So James, for people that maybe don't know about you, can you just make a small introduction of yourself? Sure. Uh, my name is James Janutsis. I'm founder and CEO of Rimsys. And uh, really my industry experience is 17 plus years in the, in the medical device uh, industry, working for companies like Philips, all the way down to small, medium-sized companies and startups. Um, really working the breadth of medical devices um, from um, either cons even consumer products like Sudi pacifiers, all the way up to uh, ventilators and surgical sealants and adhesives, um, even had a small stint in biologics as well. But now my primary focus is um, uh, running uh, RIMSYS, which is the uh, uh, regulatory information management system specifically designed for, for medical device industry. Great. So um, as I said, the objective of today is to try to give some <laughs> tips or information of people on how to invest maybe a, or better investment in the regulatory team. But um, maybe just to start, because we have a lot of startups that are listening to this uh, kind of episode and try to learn about um, quality and regulatory affairs. Can we make a kind of a definition of what is a regulatory affairs department first? Sure. I think that definition probably changes. Um, yeah, if, sure. if you're small, if you're small, if you're a 10 person company versus a 10,000 person company, <clears throat> I think in the general sense of things, if we're starting at the at the startup aspects of things, so typically if you're a pre-market company where you're trying to get uh, your product into uh, into market, let's uh, say for the U.S. It, it, um, for this example, right? Uh, you generally speaking need design controls, which is a quality management function, um, but your primary focus is really on the regulatory function, and that's really around the submission, the application process. Um, clinical trials, if that's if that's needed, and really understanding from a strategy standpoint, um, what is going to be my intended purpose, intended use, uh, target target audience, uh, market, uh, and a lot of the things that go into the strategy of how to actually um, get this product into the market that you're trying to get it into. Um, so that's for, first and foremost probably the the, the most uh, simple explanation from yeah. a from a startup standpoint. <clears throat> if you're talking a ten thousand person company, you have departments that are specific to regulatory operations. So that's the day to day management of regulatory, um, meaning that I need to uh, renew uh, registrations in different countries for these particular products to ensure that they don't expire, they came they stay on the market, 
working with uh, competent authorities and country sponsors, authorized reps to really ensure that those products are keep on the uh, stay on the market for really the patients that need it the most. Um, and then there's other uh, departments in those big companies, <clears throat> excuse me, like regulatory intelligence is yeah. a whole different department. Um, uh, and then there's um, there's the business side of things and then there's the market side of things. So there's a business regulatory and then a market regulatory where business regulatory is really around <clears throat> the, the, the product itself. And then it works with the market regulatory to ensure that it's meeting the applicable regulations, uh, applicable requirements and working internally at the business to ensure that the business supports the market from that standpoint. Um, so it really entails a, a lot through pre-market, on-market and post-market. Um, and I could probably talk for two days on what, what is regulatory and, 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 and how that differentiates between, between, uh, quality and that's probably a good topic for for another another podcast yeah exactly yeah no I, but it's great your definition uh when you when you said it mainly it, it looks like it's an important department it's something that is really instrumental if i can say for a company uh, to have but mainly from I, i have a lot of experience in that also but when we go to companies this is not the preferred department of the manufacturer from the manufacturer side so Do you have an idea maybe from your side what, what you think? Why maybe CEOs or uh, other marketing people are not really liking regulatory affairs? Yeah, I think I think from when, when you're a startup, right? I mean, regulatory strategy will make or break your company, period. Um, depending on how it's reimbursed, how, uh, you know, how you classify your device um, and the specific strategy that you, uh, in terms of the submissions and additional information requests and things of how you respond to that, as well as just making sure that you have it properly set up and, and you're going down that regulatory pathway, the, the most efficient regulatory pathway you can at, at day one. So you're not burning investor cash, cash. so you're not burning uh, company cash from that standpoint. I think, you know, so so on the smaller you are, the more critical it is, uh, not necessarily, not necessarily, but um, more critical for the business, I would say. I think as the company grows, it becomes more of what we would define as a cost center, meaning that it's a necessary evil, right? We already have products in the market. Our company is already generating millions of dollars. Uh, hey, from a regulatory operation standpoint, we just got to keep churning and keep keep those renews, re renewals going. Um, and so it's not, I would say, generally uh, considered a, a revenue function. And that's a it's a it's a very um, backwards way of thinking, especially from a revenue from a from a regulatory standpoint. I mean, there's really three things that medical device manufacturers um, can do to increase their their one their market penetration and then two um, their their revenue. That's focus on sales, marketing, and regulatory. Without any of those, um, you are um, really going to become stagnant. And I think um, traditionally speaking, uh, the the bigger you company you are, the more the more the company uh, views regulatory more as that uh, cost center approach, um, unfortunately. And so, sometimes you see also some regulatory people that say, you cannot say this, you cannot do that, you cannot, I mean, they are the ones that are blocking you from being innovative sometimes, no? or oh, yeah. being creative, if I can say. Yeah, for sure. And I think, and I, and I think it's in our nature as regulatory affairs professionals to say, Hey guys, let's take a step back, right? We we need we've got to make sure this 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 is right. Um, and I think sometimes that that comes off as saying, "Hey, we're the blocker, right? Us regulatory, you can't do anything without regulatory's approval, right?" Um, but the intent behind that is really 
to to make sure that the product doesn't come off the market in an unfavorable way, right? Whether that's a, a market recall um, or something happens uh, in the field or you miss a renewal, whatever the case may be. And they're really doing their job to ensure that that product in your company has the best chance of success in the market. And so I think making sure that us as regulatory folks have a better communication channel or a better way to talk through that and partner with uh, the sales team, partner with the quality team, the R&D team, uh, the engineering team to ensure that they have the right requirements up front so that you can really work with them moving forward um, to make the, the best chance of your product, one, getting to market, but two, uh, uh, staying on the market. Exactly. And um, do you have some recommendation in terms of uh, how, um, what is the most important when your company tries to build the regulatory affairs team or department? Yeah, uh, I think, you know, when you're, when you're building out your regulatory affairs department, um, you know, nobody goes to school for regulatory affairs. I mean, <laughs> they, they kind of do now a little bit. There's some certification programs. There's a few few out there, but you kind of just fall into it, right? And I would say majority of, of including my case, the majority of the folks that I've talked to, my uh, peers and colleagues, they started out with quality uh, and then moved into regulatory. Um, and I, I think when you're starting to build out your regulatory affairs team, you really need to understand the expertise and the type of skill set that you're going to need, not necessarily the um, the specific knowledge for that specific device. Um, but what you are looking for is a scientific mind, a technical mind, um, somebody who can work the gears and understand the nuances of, of a particular situation, somebody who has experience uh, with, with um, prior companies, right? Um, even when somebody doesn't have a lot of experience, somebody who's green in the regulatory affairs, what you really want is ensure that they're curious, um, making sure that they ask really good questions, um, because one, that's the only way that they're going to learn, um, because everything within regulatory is, generally speaking, tribal knowledge. And so you want somebody who's really, really curious, really technical mindset, really detail-oriented, um, you know, it's 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 very much in regulatory's nature to be detailed or oriented because the details matter, uh, especially in that. So I think as you grow your team, uh, look for those type of specific soft skills, if you will, and then think about also where um, you want to go from a product standpoint. What's the least pass, pass, uh, path of resistance to get that product into market uh, the quickest? with the least amount of resources um, and ensuring that it's the most cost effective. So leveraging other applications, uh, leveraging other uh, technical documentation um, from other countries that you're already approved in to hopefully help generate some additional um, and faster uh, time to market metrics for you. Um, I think those are a, a few really key items. Um, everybody says that regulatory intelligence is uh, uh, the way to go, I guess. Um, but regulatory intelligence really, um, if you ask 10 people what regulatory intelligence means, you're going to get 10 different answers um, yeah. because it completely means something different for each person in each organization. Um, and at the end of the day, regulatory intelligence doesn't matter unless you have your information managed appropriately. Um, and I think some some folks get caught up saying, oh, if we had a, uh, an intelligent solution, right, 
uh, it might solve all of our problems, but uh, it's actually the inverse. You have to make sure that you have your data management correct because in the world of regulatory affairs, data management and information management is uh, the key to, to, to really anything. That's that's how you find out if you've had previous submissions with, with prior um, uh, issues, right? And you want to be able to look for that quickly. Uh, information management in terms of how you're using information across different uh, regulatory authorities and different competent authorities around the, around the globe for, for your specific um, devices, how your renewals are handled and how you're monitoring expirations, um, how you're managing all your product regulatory data um, and how that information feeds into the other systems globally from that standpoint. You really can't get ahead until you get your house in order. Um, and then once you get your house in order, then you can really start uh, around that intelligence aspects of things. So having house in order is also having the right people that know how to make it ordered, have the right yeah. mindset also, and have Absolutely. also the right uh, the right uh, the right tools for for that. So um, we talk. I mean, um, we started a long time ago. If I can say in this kind of field, uh, before that there was kind of a paper yes. where uh, I write my information or I try to to um, to um, subscribe to some journals that were providing some kind of updates of regulatory, et cetera. So it was like manual, a lot of effort, a lot of uh, things. And then we move to internet where we now get more information. And now we move to some platform and now we move to chat GPT and ask them, oh, uh, can you tell me what is the last latest news about this and that? And you will summarize yeah. this about it. So how do you see now this kind of digitalization of this regulatory field? Um, so, Rimsys, he is a platform that is helping also to organize a house, as you have said. Yeah. So how do you see all this moving now? What, what is the next step after all that? Hey, just a second. Do you need an EU, Swiss or UK representative? Then choose Easy Medical Device. We can represent you and also become your importer. Contact us at eo at easymedicaldevice.com. Yeah, it's, it's a great question. and something that is very timely. I think... Uh, one of the biggest things I, I think is happening in the industry, in the medtech industry in general, is that there is a digital transformation happening. Um, and we're, we're seeing very big uh, uh, peaks of that. And we're seeing some some really good escalation of that for a lot of the uh, enterprise level uh, customers, as well as the bid market as well. And what we're seeing is that they're finally understanding how big of an issue and uh that regulatory is and how it feeds really in or how everything feeds into it i should say um and that is has been the biggest uh understanding and issue of all of that uh moving forward because um without that digital transformation approach without that top level uh approach of saying hey um we need to change something nothing else matters i mean there's there's billion dollar companies that are managing regulatory affairs on color coded Excel spreadsheets, uh, SharePoint sites, and manually understanding kind of where things are. And so first and foremost, you know, MedTech is generally 10 years behind the times from a technology yeah, transformation exactly. standpoint. Um, and, and so order number one is get it organized, Find, figure out where things are, because I guarantee as, as much as you think you know where they're at, uh, you don't have a clue because um, we have seen some very interesting stuff uh, for, from global manufacturers that you would think would have their their stuff in order and they don't. Um, and it was actually one of the main reasons I, I, I created RIMSYS was exactly for that reason. 
Um, because you, if the big guys don't have it in order, uh, the small guys don't have a chance. Exactly. They have a platform to, to get on. Um, and so, so number one is just get your stuff in order. It doesn't matter how you do it, but put it into a central source of truth. Um, at the end of the day, once you do that, all of that other stuff can be contextually layered in. So we're talking about, you know, chat GGPT or chat GPT, excuse me, um, generative AI versus AI um, and all this other stuff, right? That stuff is meaningless at the end of the day, unless you have good data. Um, data is key for, for all that information to be relevant and contextualized to your products and your company in the markets that you care about. And without getting that organization as central source of, source of truth in, you're going to have subpar results at best. Uh, and I would say that there is, in, in my opinion, uh, what we call regulatory intelligence, however you define that, um, is going to be commoditized. Meaning that anybody could go out there and find a regulation, find something, have it come to right into your inbox, and then you can manage to do something with that, whatever that is, right? Generally speaking, when we say intelligence, intelligence is just information. Yeah. But until you do something with it, it's it's really meaningless. And so figuring out how to bring in the relevant information, contextualize your products, your company, and the markets you care about um, with that organized data subset, right? That That foundation that you have now built will now take you to that next level. And that's really um, the, the vision of, of, of taking um, regulatory into the digital age. So what will be the, from, from your side, and maybe it's also what you, what you are doing for marketing also RIMSYS. So what, what are the advantages for a regulatory uh, department um, to move to this kind of digitalization, to this age, to those, maybe AI or whatever. So what will be the advantage? Because we hear some people that are saying, oh, uh, with all this, I will lose my job and I will not be able to work again, et cetera, et cetera. So is there, is this the mindset that we should have uh, regarding no. that? Or? <laughs> no, I think, I think, you know, when, when, when General Vea came out, everybody said that everybody's going to lose everybody's job, right? Um, <clears throat> and I think that's, the furthest from the truth. In fact, I think it's it has created so many jobs and will create so many jobs. I think what it does do is it eliminates a lot of the administrative burden yeah. that regulatory affairs is bogged down with constantly. So like in my job, when I was managing international regulatory operations, right, globally, I, I can say very confidently that 50 to 60% of my time was spent just looking for information, literally just going through file cabinets, searching for information. <clears throat> Where is this product sold? How can I get this product sold into this uh, country? Um, sales people calling me, can I sell this country? What's, you know, what are some, some issues with it? It doesn't matter what the question was. All I was doing was running around trying to find the information so I can move what I perceive moving the company forward or the department forward. And so what it, what it does do is you know, it, it, it actually provides a sense of relief or will provide, I should say, it doesn't today, but it will uh, from, a, from an AI perspective. A sense of relief that when you get hired for a regulatory affairs professional job, you're actually gonna get, you're actually gonna do the job that you're hired to do and not the documentation and the administrative things that honestly um, you, you weren't hired to do and you don't want to do. Nobody wants to do that. Consultants don't even want to do that. It's just the 
the, the necessary evil of the department because you're so disorganized and so dysfunctional because nobody has had a great system to organize that information previously. Um, and, and so it's a, it's a different mindset uh, from that standpoint. In fact, it's, it's, I would use it as a uh, critical advantage, uh, you know, once it becomes uh, more of a commoditized uh, uh, solution. And do you see any disadvantage maybe or something that people should be careful on, some kind of warning to say, yes, oh, yeah. it's great, but be careful of that? <laughs> oh, yeah, it's, it's, I would say it's, it's, I'm almost waiting for somebody to post a rejection from a submission because it was uh, created through generative AI. Okay. Uh, you know, like, <laughs> I just, I'm waiting for that news article to come out. Um, and, and I would say you, you really have to be careful because what, what it doesn't allow you to do is it doesn't replace critical thinking. Uh, critical thinking is the crux of, of regulatory affairs in general, right? Um, if you're talking about uh, some of the things that it 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 might help you with, um, yeah, it might help you with with creating um, some some standardized uh, things, right? But you really have to be careful of um, those hallucin hallucinations, those things where it starts going off in tangent, and maybe you don't know it, but it does. Um, and uh, and quite honestly, I, I think it's just still very new um, that it's really around the use cases that it's going to be is really where, where it's going to matter. Um, generative AI um, is very, uh, especially from a writing standpoint or technical writing standpoint, I, you can see a lot of advantages to that. Um, but you can't allow it to do the critical thinking for you because otherwise then it is doing your job, right? And it would never replace that critical thinking period um, because it's all those nuances. It's all that gray that regulatory affairs lives in, that we live in as regulatory affairs professionals, that it can't decipher, that you really need that critical thinking. And so I would say um, be careful with it because it is very, um, it's new. Uh, security as well is a, yeah. is a big problem. Um, and even though companies might say it's it's isolated, I don't know if it really is. Um, and you have to really dive down deep uh, with that company to under, under, understand what they're um, what they're selling you. Yeah, ex exactly, and uh, I confirm what what you are saying. So I I I'm testing a lot of um, the um, of ChatGPT mainly in terms of, mm -hmm. of regulatory. So I ask questions and try to get some answers. And when I get the answer, I say it's wrong what he said. And it's funny because I tell ChatGPT you're wrong because of that that that. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yes, it's 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 true what you are saying, etc. So. Yeah, just don't rely on all what uh, this is saying because many it's it's new and this is also a field that um, is not yeah, where you I, need to have some understanding, some creativity, some understanding, and some yeah, some it's common sense also, which maybe sometimes it doesn't have. Yeah, absolutely. You can't take it for face value. You have to dig deeper. Um, and and knowing the right questions to ask, um, is 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 critical to understanding any regulatory problem. Exactly. Yeah. So um. Now, as, as we say, we talk about those platforms and we know that maybe some people that are listening today, they are more yeah. like, uh, oh yeah, but I'm still using spreadsheet on Excel. I'm still visiting each website one by one to understand what is the change. I have to go to the French uh, authority website to see what are the elements, etc. I have to go to the uh, UK government website to see what are the changes of this. So I, to do my, my review, I have to do all that. So um, as we say, digitalization can help you to do it more quickly and yeah. avoid all this stress. So how can you convince someone to go to his boss and say, 
Can you invest more in my department uh, while you are saying before that it's a more a cost center than something where yeah. revenue is coming Yeah, no, from? it's it, absolutely. It's a, it's a really good, good question. I think it's one that we hear a lot. Um, and really, um, it's about changing uh, the mindset, if you will. Um, and it's a hard thing to do, but I think it starts with really simple things you can do. Um, so I would say traditionally, whenever you're looking at metrics, when we say regulatory metrics, it's time to market. Um, it, it's it's how many renewals did I did I was I supposed to do? How many did I actually get? How many actually expired? Even though nobody wants to admit it, uh, expirations happen all the time, uh, and your products come off the market. Uh, competitors, you know, customers aren't going to wait for your product to get reapproved or or, or um, the renewal to happen. Um, they're going to go to another another company's product. And so when you start thinking about how fast you're getting product to market, um, how you're managing and getting visibility to all the information that you actually need to manage to actually keep your company uh, 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 afloat, <laughs> if you will. Um, you start realizing that it is bar none, one of the most critical aspects from a med tech industry standpoint um, that you can have to keep your, uh, your company competitive in the marketplace and also uh, retain the revenue for that market itself and for the products it is. And so one of the biggest things I always say is when you're talking about metrics, when you're trying to convince your, your, your leadership team, don't talk about don't talk about how many renewals I did for this product um, in a particular month, right? Talk about the dollar figures that you yeah. save the company or, or, that, or that you retain on the market. So that means that instead of saying, hey, I had 10 renewals this, this, this quarter um, and I renewed all 10, you could say, hey, I renewed uh, 10 products uh, or, or you know, 100 products, whatever, how many were on that renewal um, and retained $10 million in, in, in the market for this company. And when you start talking that way, when you start talking with dollar figures, it changes the whole dynamic of the conversation. Um, it's no longer just one renewal. It is now $10 million associated to that renewal that if I miss that, that has serious consequences, not only from uh, the products that get to the patients that honestly need them the most, but also from the business standpoint of losing that revenue and all that opportunity cost uh, that you're missing out on. Because again, those customers aren't going to wait for your product to be, be renewed. And we had one, we had one customer where they, they had uh, 26 products on a few different registrations in the TAM market. And they missed the registration because they were using color code Excel spreadsheets. And the intern was managing their color code Excel spreadsheet. And they, he, uh, the intern missed the date because it was coded incorrectly. So the company lost out on, uh, it was between five and $7 million because it took them almost two years to get those products re-registered. And they blamed it on the intern, which is a whole different problem. <laughs> exactly. Uh, it, that's, that's a systemic issue that the company needs to address. And that starts with getting your information organized because without it being organized, you have no chance of ensuring with confidence that I have this under control. And I think that's one of the biggest things that I've, I've even seen from a leadership standpoint is that they always tell me, it's like, I don't have the confidence that we have all of our stuff handled. I don't know where it's at. Like I have my regulatory leader telling me 
they got it handled. But I don't know that. There's still this uneasiness feeling with me as, as an executive leader that we're going to miss a renewal. We're going to do something that's going to cause our products to get off the market. Um, and, and when you start talking about the confidence and you start talking about the organization, when you start talking about the dollar figures associated with the products that are, that are respond that you're responsible for, uh, to maintaining, uh, the steady state of the, of a, from a, from a revenue, uh, generation standpoint for the company, that conversation changes pretty drastically. And so if you can start, uh, thinking in that mindset and talking that mindset, uh, there's a lot of, uh, let's say, opportunity for you as a regulatory department to one, even have a budget, which you don't typically get from a software standpoint, uh, it, but uh, more importantly, to show the value, um, not just as a cost center, but as a revenue function of your business. Exactly. Yeah. And um, um, uh, we, we talk also about regulatory intelligence and uh, missing also some updates, missing also some regulatory changes can also be uh, yeah. critical for companies that are then uh, going behind, if I can say, in terms of, uh, of, uh, hmm. of, of the regulation compliance mainly, uh, getting also some non-conformances from the notified bodies or from authorities, etc. So you have a lot of cases where having not having the right information at the right moment or not doing the right activity at the right moment can be penalizing your your company and uh, increasing if i can say uh, the risk for non compliance uh, for it so yeah it's it's co completely uh, completely uh, clear for that um in terms of rimsys so which what is the audience that maybe can need rimsys and what mainly is offered with rimsys yeah uh so so rimsys is really um at, at the crux of it um, a central source of truth to organize that regulatory data. And so when we say that regulatory data, that means that we are product centric, meaning that we literally take your products out of your PLM system or integrate them with your PLM system and put them into our system and then manage them globally from a design dossier, technical documentation standpoint, from a registration standpoint, um, from a regulatory lifecycle standpoint, um, maintaining all the versions, all the product data, all the UDI data that is now becoming critically important uh, across multiple markets to manage that data with your regulatory data on top of that. Managing your standards, being notified of st when standards change, um, uh, what products are impacted by that, uh, and even managing your general safety performance requirements or your essential principles if you're outside the EU. Um, and making sure that those are completely updated all the time so that if standard changes, not only do you understand what products are impacted, but you also understand that each row within that specific essential principle is impacted and then making those changes globally on a global scale that you can really get back to, um, again, the, the, the thing that you're hired to do is that, that be that critical thinking and um, for, for, the, for, the, for the company as a regulatory department. And uh, you know, I would say that, the, the advantages of that are, are, are massive. Not only do you reduce the reliance on consultants, um, you also increase your confidence quite a bit. And then also um, take that administrative burden off your regulatory affairs team. Like we, we, have, one we have one customer that has uh, 800 general safety performance requirements in one division. Um, and they're completely digitalized with, with, with RIMSYS. And if one standard changes, it used to take them three weeks and three regulatory consultants uh, to make go to sift through all 800 word documents to make that one change for that one standard. And so if you imagine the costs associated with that is astronomical. Uh, 
especially at scale at a global level. And then mm-hmm. within Brimsys, you can, if one standard changes, you can make it that one change, not only within one essential principle, but across all 800 at the same time. And so rotting a... them for approval, rotting them for, for, for all that, for, for, um, uh, rolling it for approval and actually getting them approved. It, it, so something that took three weeks and three regulatory professionals now takes one person 30 minutes to do. Exactly. Um, it's crazy. And so the advantages from the efficiency standpoint just snowball uh, into one, getting that confidence, getting that visibility um, and ensuring that your products are maintained from a revenue standpoint. And so really it's getting that information and regulatory information into a central source of truth that you can manage it appropriately. Um, and so you don't, nothing falls through those cracks. Once you do that, once you get the organize, once you get it organized, then you can start laying or layering on those, those, those other aspects of AI, um, and some, some other cool things. Um, we're, uh, we're, we're... <laughs> so then we add the flavor of AI, we add the flavor of all the, the other things yep. and, uh, people can get a demo for it. Yeah, yeah, you can get they can get a demo. I'm um, just go to our website, uh, www.rimsys.io, uh, and uh, there's a little Reggie the duck there because uh, it's regular. You know, get your regulatory ducks in, in a row, uh, and uh, he'll um, and 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 Reggie will help uh, set up a demo for you. Great. So don't hesitate to go on the show notes. Uh, you have all the information. Also, the your LinkedIn uh, profile, um, James, so that you people maybe can ask you questions they, they have. Uh, and also the link for uh, going to Rimsys and check uh, check all that. So, James, it was really a pleasure. Thank you again for all the information you have provided. I hope this will help people to convince their boss to invest more in the regulatory team and to maybe, as we said, to remove some of the burden with some of those uh, uh, those platforms. So I really hope it will be working. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Have a good day. Bye. Monier Alazuzi, a medical device specialized on quality and regulatory affairs. My mission is to help you learn how to place a compliant medical device on the market.